Hello, and welcome to The Growth-Minded Marriage. My name's Kevin, and I'm joined by my wife, Mary. We are a uniquely ordinary Midwest couple pursuing what it means to live our values out loud, release expectations, and dedicate ourselves to growth and the pursuit of our most authentic selves together. Welcome to June. We are excited to bring you this second to last episode before Kevin and I take a summer break. We decided a few episodes ago to not record in July or August, and we're going to take that time to focus on some other creative projects that are tugging at us currently, one of which is the Growing Together Guide, which is our new email newsletter. After you listen to this episode, go to our show notes and there will be a link to sign up for what's called in the podcast profession a lead magnet, which is just a bit of information that Kevin and I put together to give you a peek into the types of conversations that we hope to have in the Growing Together newsletter. And it is called Four Start Today Ways to Feel Extraordinary. So look in our show notes to sign up for that. You'll receive that freebie. And then you'll also be signed up for our twice monthly Growing Together guide, which will start this July. And guys, if you sign up before June 17th, which is our last episode before the summer, you will be entered in to win an amazing package from us. The giveaway is going to include Sonia and Alex Overheiser's cookbook called Pretty Simple Cooking. If you heard the episode with them, you know how inspiring Sonia is, and we know that you'll love their cookbook. We're also going to throw in my world-famous hot fudge that I have (laughs) totally perfected. (laughs) You will be receiving some of Love Hot Fudge, which is one of the first passion projects I had and the first steps on this journey of growing and becoming my most authentic self. So you'll be able to try that. I'm also thinking that I'm going to throw one of my headshots in there. I'm going <laughs> to sign it for everybody. I got them done at uh, Glamour Shots a few weeks ago. I've got electric blue lightning strikes in the background. I think they're really nice. There's going to be also some other gift cards and goodies in there. So it's definitely going to be worth your while. And we hope also that the four start today ways to feel extraordinary piques your interest and gives you a deeper sense of what we want to be doing with this Growing Together newsletter. So sign up and we will be in touch with the winner after June 17th. So if you are a longtime listener, as in the last 10 months, you are aware that I am a certified anesthesiologist assistant. Oh, that's what you do. (laughs) And Kevin is self-employed. He's an antique dealer. He works from home, works out of the house. And we have had the absolute privilege and luxury of exploring and getting curious about what it would mean or what it would feel like to feel our most satisfied and fulfilled and authentic self at our respective jobs. And we really wanted to discuss what we've discovered. In particular, this week is the CAA Recognition Week, which is the recognition week for my profession as a certified anesthesiologist assistant. So I'm going to be framing my experience, which is my real experience of how I did this working in the operating room, giving anesthesia. And Kevin's going to be sharing his perspective of maybe the broader themes, the bigger themes that can be pulled if you're not a CAA or you don't work in medicine. So we're not going to dangle this in front of anyone for too much longer. 
Here are the three things that Kevin and I have discovered through our own experience and through research that lead us to feel our most fulfilled and most satisfied. And they are first, a sense of control. Second, a sense of mastery. And third, a sense of autonomy. I'll just jump in and start with control, because I would say that for the longest time, that's the one that I probably struggled with the most. As someone who's self-employed, I think that I've given myself a lot of illusion of control, um, because as I've had to balance raising my kids with my work life, there's external forces that are totally out of my control. Controlling those things would be a complete illusion. Randomness and chaos rule. I can't control when my kids get sick. I can't control when there's a snow day. I can't control when my printer breaks. And that would be very frustrating for me because, as I've said before, I primarily was working nights, naps, and weekends. I only had two hours to get anything done, and here's this giant wrench in my plans. And it was just such a huge struggle to get through. And it was only once I finally was able to relinquish that need to control external forces that I was able to bring internal control to my day. So what Kevin is referring to really in the research and in the psychology of this is your day being ruled by extrinsic forces or intrinsic forces. And to feel more fulfilled, Kevin and I have focused and reframed what control means to us in our job to an intrinsic sense of control, where we are controlling our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions, regardless of the fact that the world is swirling outside around us and impeding on our day. And for Kevin, a snow day can be one of the worst things in his day because he uh, only has so much time to work. And of course, if the kids are not in the house, work is much, much easier. And so he's constantly through the course of us parenting our three children had to adapt his job. And so I think he in particular is a master of this intrinsic sense of control. And what he's saying about all of the extrinsic forces that can feel like they control you, he's just, what, you've had to reframe that? Like, can you tell us a little bit more about how you've been able to reframe that burden? Yeah, I think it it basically is a total reframing. I mean, I feel like I used to drown in things not going to plan, and instead I see that opportunity in being super flexible. You know, maybe I'm not going to be able to now get everything else everything done that I was anticipating, but I'm just always prepared to be flexible and I can control that. Like I always have a number of things that can get accomplished in any situation, which I won't go into them because I think they're probably not going to be very pertinent to anybody else, but just to have like a transferable opportunity to still feel like I'm able to accomplish something. And I think the other big thing for me, too, is just developing some self-compassion and realizing, like, heck, this just wasn't meant to be today. And instead of forcing myself to just resentfully accomplishing something, just being like, this is an opportunity now to find another time to make it up later, which honestly was seems like the most obvious thing in the world. But as someone who's self-employed, it's really hard to give yourself the freedom to do. So this looked a lot like Kevin telling me, hey, I actually didn't get 
to anything on my to-do list today for work, when is a good time today that I can have some time you can take the kids out of the house or occupy them so I can work? And those were just the conversations that we had to have. And the pandemic really helped solidify that communication between Kevin and I because I had never been home as much as I was during the pandemic. And so I never really got to see Kevin's work during the day as much as I did in 2020. And this whole reframing and mindset shift is something that I've done throughout my career. And I can really see it in the example of in my job, you will be getting rooms ready. So I deliver anesthesia that involves having a large anesthesia machine checked out and ready to go and a whole bunch of equipment opened or in various stages of readiness and drugs drawn up. And oftentimes what happens is the extrinsic force of your boss or someone else who's running the operating room comes in and says, hey, Mary, um, I know that you got this already and you were supposed to start this case in five minutes, but actually we need you down the hall in room 15 and you're going to do an open heart surgery. And so certainly that throws a huge wrench into my plans and all of this work that I felt like I did would become meaningless. And then I'd, on top of that, feel rushed and unprepared and have to go down to a different room and set up for, you know, it didn't even have to be an open heart surgery. It could have just been any procedure. Yeah. You said open heart surgery to make me sound silly. <laughs> I'm glad I, I went do, first this time. I don't do any open heart surgery now. In yeah. My current uh, job. Yeah. We're doing uh, uh, trigger fingers she, and knee scopes. She's like in the, the highlight film of just picture like the most intense scene of ER that you've ever watched. <laughs> and that's what Mary does on a daily basis. <laughs> No, not at all. But I would say that sense that in my profession, I can either be overwhelmed by that person saying, actually move all of this stuff into a different room and actually we're waiting on you. Or I can say, you know what? This is a great opportunity for me to feel like, wow, I am really flexible. Like, look how skilled I am that you can tell me, hey, you're doing a gallbladder surgery in room two. Oh, wait, now you're doing a knee surgery in room 15. And so somehow very early on, I just had that sense that like, actually, this makes me feel really proud of myself when I can be quick to adjust. And I think Kevin is saying the similar thing where it's that intrinsic sense of control that I'm reframing what it means in my day to get that win and to feel like a success. And it doesn't much matter that all of these extrinsic forces are guiding me and changing the way my day looks, because I know that at the end of the day, if I feel like I, well, what, if I know what? Yeah, I think it just, um, at the end of the day, like understanding that you're not going to be able to control the greater environment, but you always have the opportunity to control how you react to it. Yeah. And this didn't happen right away. I mean, no, this was a very long yes. battle for me. Yes. And I would say I had maybe a deeper sense of this in my profession, which I've been a CAA for 12 years, but I couldn't name it. I couldn't say this is why I feel really satisfied at my job is because this intrinsic sense of control that I carry with me. And it was only through researching and trying to lay down the information for this podcast episode that I saw other people saying the same thing, that a sense of control makes you feel really satisfied at work. And then I took that information to Kevin. I was like, hey, would you agree with this? And he was like, yes, absolutely. And so that's what we're bringing here to you. Mary through open heart surgery and me through <laughs> playing with toys. 
Okay, so the second concept that Kevin and I both have introduced into our most fulfilled and satisfying career is a sense of mastery. Okay, I'm going to let you go ahead and answer this one first so I can adapt my response with maybe some more impressive things after I hear what you have to say. (laughs) Okay, well, one of the things that I have always really valued about my profession and the way I was educated is that my profession does an incredible job of teaching you what you need to know to be a competent and confident certified anesthesiologist assistant and very little else meaning they've cut the fluff. We don't need necessarily at the very beginning of our career to have a super expansive knowledge of all the little things that touch anesthesia. But what we do need to do is to feel very confident in anesthesia methods, anesthesia tools, anesthesia techniques, the art of anesthesia. I anesthesia for open heart surgery. <laughs> I could go on and on. And I happen to go to one of the first CAA schools, and I thought it was because I went to one of the first schools that they had really distilled down all of the highly valuable information and been able to feed it to me in a 24-month master's program. And I graduated from that just feeling like I could do anything. Certainly, I wasn't so overconfident that I went in not realizing that I still had a lot to learn in terms of on-the-job experience, but I felt very confident that I could give safe and really extraordinary anesthesia from day one. Turns out, it's just something my profession does really, really well over all of the schools. And it's not just because I went to one of the very first schools that started almost 50 years ago. How does that sense of mastery give you a feeling of fulfillment in work? It makes you believe that you're worthy, that you have the appropriate education, you have the appropriate skills to walk into the operating room and be worthy of your title and the respect that your title does receive with patients and with other operating room staff. And I just think that's a really rare experience. A lot of jobs may prepare you, but then you come out of school and there's maybe a prolonged on-the-job training period or you're a novice experience before you're really given some of the bigger duties or maybe you're not paid even as much as a provider that's been there for years and years. And that's a point of contention with my career as well, that new CAAs are paid very closely to what myself as a 12-year veteran CAA makes because Their skills are pretty close to my skills. Certainly, experience cannot be underrated or undervalued, but you come out of school at a mastery level of this one thing. And I just don't think, I can't think of another career that could say the same at such a high level. And it just feels good. I mean, I just think it feels good to know that you know your stuff. Yeah, I certainly can't think of another career, especially one that would, you know, possibly practice open heart surgery. (laughs) I am in no way delivering anesthesia for open heart surgery. Can I say that again? Okay, dookie. (laughs) I'm not doing that anymore. I did do that at one point, which is why it came to mind, I suppose. But Mm -hmm. does that answer your question? I mean, I guess it's just a feeling that I have. Yeah, it sounds like it's more of a confidence that you get from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably a similar feeling that I have. I feel somewhat spoiled in that I don't remember not having a feeling of mastery. I've been buying and selling art and antiques now for almost 30 years. So 
I've got a very strong comfort level with everything I'm looking at. And I think that gives me confidence moving forward. And I, I don't see that as like being an expert, like I know everything. I think in my field, anyone who claims that is a fool and probably doesn't know very much at all. I think for me, it gives me the confidence to get really excited about something I'm unfamiliar with and being able to take risks that other people would be scared to. Like I can come into an opportunity that everyone's like, I have no idea what this is. I'm scared. I don't know how to approach it. And for me, it's just like, wow, this is new, uh, new material. I have a base to go from. This is going to be something I really want to capitalize on. I actually had something come to mind that I wanted to add in. And I think this sense of mastery, why it feels so good is because you know your own limits. And I feel comfortable knowing that I know a lot of things, but I don't know this and I can ask for help. And I just think that's what you're kind of saying as well, where that comfort and ease with knowing where your limits are and not being ashamed or being able to be vulnerable to say, actually, I need help in the operating room in particular is something you don't see a lot of people doing because it may be interpreted as a weakness. And I just think my profession does an excellent job showing us where our boundaries are and showing us the resources that you tap into when you come up against a boundary. And so I just feel very comfortable. Like, yeah, I know a lot of things, but I don't know this. Let me call, in my case, my attending anesthesiologist and ask for help. And that's completely fine. That's exactly what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the the, the gist of what I was trying to say in that, you know, a mastery is this great feeling of being excited at the opportunity of not knowing everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's maybe not everyone's idea of mastery. And I think that's what we're trying to portray yeah. here is that there's this other thing that comes with opening yourself up to realizing that you don't know everything and you can still have a sense at work of great fulfillment and satisfaction because of all the things you do know and then the excitement to learn what you don't know yet. Right. All right. The third concept that Kevin and I really resonated with is this sense of autonomy. So autonomy, when we first talked about this list, was probably the one that just jumped out at me the strongest. I think autonomy is the one thing that I wanted more than anything. Why even in kindergarten, I started saying that I wanted to be self-employed. Just that feeling like I don't need anyone telling me what to do. I don't need anyone looking over my shoulder. I can do everything on my own if you just let me and i think you know after thinking about it for a long time the crux of it is is i didn't want my worth attached to someone else's approval yeah i just think it's a really simple concept where the sense of autonomy that you give yourself when you say i am worthy and good enough regardless of in my instance what my bosses say or in your instance, what corporate America said about you when you worked your corporate job. And I think this sense of autonomy transcends those who may be listening and who are self-employed and maybe have a more traditional understanding of the word of autonomy. For myself, I work with many bosses. Um, every attending anesthesiologist is, quote unquote, my boss, and I am secondary to what he or she says or what they want. And that's why autonomy is something that 
CAAs tend to talk about. How autonomous are you treated? What autonomy are you given in the operating room? And these are things that you kind of talk to your colleagues about because it is such a valued part of our profession to feel like our education, which has granted us the privilege of delivering anesthesia, is valued. And we are trusted to do the things that we are able to do autonomously. And you don't always get that. So you're not living in a bubble. And there are various personalities of those attending anesthesiologists that you're intertwined with on a daily basis. And some people want to have more control. Some people want to have more of that extrinsic control over you. And so my career has been finding the balance of I want to feel autonomous as I stand here alone, even if someone's telling me exactly what steps to take next. And I've been able to do that really well, which has allowed me to feel maybe more satisfied than some CAAs in our profession. And I think what I've been able to do is just to realize that there are so many ways I'm autonomous throughout my day, and I just focus my energy on how good that makes me feel. This is a very specific example for people I work with and who will understand this, but I had one attending anesthesiologist tell me which tape to use to tape the eyes, and I won't go into any more detail, but if you are a CAA, you know that that is a very high level of extrinsic control over what I can and cannot do, and at first, I noticed it. I was like, wow, that really stings to be told on such a minute level how to behave and how to act. Even I know it's duct tape. <laughs> and I sat there with it and I was like, you know what? I just am going to let it go and I'm not going to focus on it because now I'm in the room and I'm able to give drugs and I'm able to interact with the operating room staff and I'm not having my next steps dictated. And I'm just going to focus on how good that feels and let this attending anesthesiologist have their win and just not give it too much weight because I can't change it. And certainly I'm not going to be able to win those small battles unless it's going to be a silent, passive-aggressive type of fight, and I'm just not going to waste my energy on that. And so I just think that throughout my career, I've done a really great job, again, of understanding my boundaries of what I can and cannot do, even in particular to each anesthesiologist. You know, this one lets me do this and that without checking in, but hey, this one wants me to check in when I'm pushing these types of drugs, but not those. And I just keep I used to keep an actual list of these ideas, and now I just keep a mental list. And, you know, that's what happens when you start to work with these people over days and months and years. And I just encourage any CAAs out there to remember that there are so many things that we can do autonomously and not to focus on the ones that seem to breach that anesthesia care team mentality where our voices are in this together. And it's not about a top-down regulation of how this day is going to go. That was um, very specific. Yeah, I mean, I just think everyone's going to take this information on a personal level. And personally, that is how autonomy shows up in my life and in my work. I just feel passionately about speaking directly to CAAs. And since this is our podcast and we can kind of do what we want, I am talking to them directly right now if you're listening. And I think what you're saying, Kevin, overlaps with what I'm saying, but there was always going to be specifics when you place this on your exact job. Yeah. 
well, actually, when I, when you were talking about that, I was placing it on my exact job and, you know, I don't have any bosses, but I think some people that are self-employed probably will relate to this and that we actually are our hardest bosses. You know, I always joke about what a jerk my boss is, but I, I like a lot of times I feel like I've got a little boss baby on my shoulder who's always telling me that I need to be productive. It's never enough. You shouldn't take any time off. If you're not growing your business, you're you're going to be you're going to fail. And it was a long hard battle to kind of reclaim ownership over my life um because it seemed like every waking moment that I wasn't that was free was free to work. I finally have gotten to the point where I've just had to make more tangible goals for every day and be able to accomplish those and then give myself the freedom of being like, okay, that's enough. You're good. And for me, like that is the greatest autonomy success that I've had now. And that's ongoing as well. Like Kevin is constantly coming up to me and now I'm coming up to him as I lean more into this balance of anesthesia being a smaller part of what I do and some of these creative projects being a bigger part is when to call it quits and when to say, you did good, now put it down and live the life that you're building that you're working so hard for and just go out and live it. Right. And I've honestly found that the more freedom I've gotten to step away, the more productive I've actually gotten. Unexpected positive of all this. I think that happens when you're happy. When you're fulfilled and satisfied and happy, you're just more productive. And so I think the these three concepts, control, mastery, and autonomy, are just there to have you reevaluate what your workday feels like and what your job experience is and see where these concepts show up for you. And then just start asking yourself, get curious about, hey, do I feel like I have a sense of control over my day? Do I feel like I'm a master of my craft and my knowledge? Am I okay to ask questions or do I feel like I'm shamed or weak if I ask questions? And then do I feel a sense of autonomy over my day? And do I feel a sense of satisfaction for what I'm accomplishing, regardless of all the things that maybe I didn't get to that day? And I think if you were to get curious about all three of these, you would see changes start and move you towards this life that feels like enough and more satisfying. So, Mary, I read the title of the episode and it says that you are also going to share some life changing news. Yes. So interesting to add this to the end of this conversation of sharing how fulfilled and satisfied I feel at my career as a certified anesthesiologist assistant. And just to bring everyone who may be new up to speed, I was working full-time two years ago and decided to leave that full-time position to pursue a part-time position, which is what I'm enjoying now. I work three days a week at a surgery center giving anesthesia. And about four weeks ago, my current employer pulled me into a recovery room, which unfortunately is where a lot of these big conversations anesthesia tend to happen because we don't have a place to really talk privately. And he pulled me in there and told me that I was fired. And so I have lost the job that I never thought was possible. And I was probably in a state of shock for a period of time. 
And as I've come out of that shock, I have realized that I have done a lot of the hard work that is going to help me craft my next move. And now I know what I need to have in my career in order to feel fulfilled and satisfied. And I can just lay that into my job search. So this life-changing news really doesn't negate everything that we've already said. In fact, I think it bolsters it and really says why it's very, very important because we all deserve to feel good at work. And I think it's hard to know what makes you feel good unless you've done a lot of this inner work and kind of deep dived into your own psychology. And I think these three components, control, autonomy, and mastery, can give you a sense of what it would take in your current career or for me, a future career to feel my best. Yeah. And just listening to you, we probably should make the fourth point be um, having an emergency fund. Because I think without having some sense of financial stability, it's really hard to build any of these three concepts on. Yeah. I think one of the earliest things that my father taught me is he had a job that he felt trapped in. And I remember at a young age, he told me that I needed to have a go F yourself card to play as like one of the most valuable assets you can have in your life. And from that point on, it really made me be cognizant of having that financial flexibility to be able to not feel stuck or frozen in a job that you were not feeling fulfilled in. Yeah, and our FU fund is coming in handy now because it is allowing me to explore options that only align with what I know brings me fulfillment and satisfaction, which for me isn't working five days a week in particular. And that means that I might not have the job of my dreams right away and that there might be a period of time where I'm searching and finding something that meets all of my criteria and having the flexibility to do that is only possible because we have some money in savings. So we will certainly update you. Our next episode on June 17th will be our last episode. Very likely, I am going to add a little blurb about how my career is moving forward and what my next steps will be. And I'm not scared. I'm just, I know that this probably was meant to happen because it's going to allow me to find an even better opportunity. You know, I I honestly can say that I am not nervous or scared either. Yeah. I think it's an odd situation, but I think it's an exciting opportunity. I guess to test my word of the year, which was uncertainty. Boy, <laughs> I feel like maybe this was a, a ruse just to challenge that, Mary. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for this episode. We have one more episode before we take our summer break. That is our June 17th episode. We're going to share what creative projects we have planned for this summer. We're also just going to give a little bit of a life update. Very likely, I will include what steps I'm taking in my career, or any opportunities that have come my way. And then, of course, we will be drawing that winner for our Growing Together newsletter. So please go to the show notes and sign up. I'm also going to put a little something on the Growth Minded Marriage Instagram account so that you can sign up through Instagram if that's easier. 
I'm signing up right now. But we really worked hard on this start today guide, which you will be receiving when you sign up. And it hopefully gives you a sense of the tone and the content that we hoped to have a two-way conversation with you all who are listening and grow together. Sounds great. Well, we'll see you guys in two weeks then. And until then, ever onward. <laughs>